You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Well, we're in a series uh, on the Ten Commandments, and today we come to the Sixth Commandment, very short commandment. You shall not murder. Now, maybe some of you say, well, Pastor Al, I really don't need this because I've never really murdered anyone. But we do live in a very violent society, don't we? As you know, about every 30 minutes in America, someone is shot, stabbed, or beaten to death. By the time the average young person in America reaches 18 years of age, they will have seen over 200,000 acts of violence on television, not including the hundreds of thousands of acts of violence that they will have seen on video games and the movies. We're becoming desensitized to the value of human life. Now, when it comes to the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, you would think that that's pretty straightforward. You shall not murder. Think about that. You would. But it's probably the most misunderstood, the most misapplied, and the most misinterpreted of all the Ten Commandments. So I want us to look at it with what it doesn't mean. Okay, first of all, it's not prohibiting killing animals for food. Now, the Bible is very clear about the difference between human life and animal life. Actually, in Genesis 9-3, God said, Every moving things that live shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. So the Bible doesn't command you that you have to be a vegetarian unless you want to be. Now, there are a lot of guidelines in Scripture on a healthy diet. And cruelty to animals is definitely forbidden, but it's okay to eat animals for meat. And this commandment is not prohibiting capital punishment. Many times in Scripture, God commands the death penalty. God said in Leviticus chapter 24, verse 17, whosoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. So to maintain order in society, God has delegated some authority to governments to set up and maintain law and order to punish wrongdoers so justice can be done because God does want justice in our societies. Now hear thee this morning if you don't hear another thing I say. I really mean that. God forgives every sin. Did you hear that? If a murderer comes to God and asks for forgiveness, God forgives. It's like every sin. There is no sin too great that God cannot forgive. When someone comes to him and asks forgiveness, God forgives completely. But there are still societal consequences to the act of murder because God wants justice in society. God forgives, but there are still societal consequences that need to take place in order for justice to be done. 
So I also want you to see that this commandment is not prohibiting going to war when necessary. God says there are some things worth fighting for, and there are also some things worth dying for. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 8 says a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So there's a time for war in order to preserve freedom. There's a time for a war in order to defend innocent people. There's a time for war in order to stop the spread of evil. So this command is not prohibiting going to war when it's necessary. But let me say this. I'll go ahead and say all this now. But what the Taliban is doing in Afghanistan is murder. Do y'all hear me? I have a niece that is a missionary for the North American Mission Board. And she spent, I guess, 18 months in Afghanistan working in a woman's, women's prison. And all the women that were in the prison were there for murder. Murders of their husband for all the things they were doing to them. And she was teaching English, but if they brought up Jesus, she could talk about Jesus. She had to wear all the garb to be able to fit in, go behind enemy lines. You know how that goes. And she just got out of there in the latter part of January of this year. And actually married another missionary that was a missionary to Spain. But I want you to understand this. Today, you know, if you keep up, we've got, they don't know how many Americans we have over there. But you know, if you have your American papers, you take them. Hey, here are my papers. I'm ready to go back home. Now, you understand what was going to happen today if they say, here are my American papers. Can you send me back home? They're just going to shoot them. They're just going to kill them, basically. And you know, now they've got our, the airport. They own all of our military equipment. Lord, I could talk about this all day long. But you've got to understand what they're doing over there now is not a part of war it's just pure, plain murder. So what is this commandment about? And how does it relate to my life and my family and my relationships? Well, God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. And Moses gave it to the people. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 20, God spoke through Moses. And the Israelites gathered. And Moses shared a defining moment with all the Israelite nation. In fact, God spoke, spoke through Moses. And said, you're in a defining moment of your lives. You're in a defining moment where I want to challenge you to step forward in faith and choose life rather than stepping back in fear, which is death. And in this defining moment, we understand more about the sixth commandment that God gave the people. So Deuteronomy chapter 30, beginning in verse 16. It says, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you 
life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Now, I want you to notice that last phrase there in verse 19. Choose life. God told the Israelites, today there is a choice that is set before you. And in this defining moment of your life, he goes on, he says, I want you to make a commitment to choose life, to honor the sacredness and the value of the life I've given you and the lives of others. You can choose life and honor the value and the sacredness of the life I've given you and become all that I've called you to be and really live, or you can step back in faith and really you're choosing death. In other words, you get stuck. Every day, God gives us choices where we can step forward in faith and follow him or we can shrink back in fear and it's death. So every day, God puts these choices before us and he says, I want you to follow me in this and I want you to take a step of faith and obey me. And so the children of Israel were at this point. They were in a defining moment. And God said through Moses, here's the choice that I want you to make today in this defined moment of your lives. I want you to choose life. In other words, I want you to really live for me. I don't want you to come to the end of your life and just say, I just went through the motions. I just existed. I was always waiting for someday when everything would be perfect to really live for God. I was always waiting for someday when all my stresses were gone. Amen. To really do the things that were most important. I want you to choose life today. Make a commitment to life today. Because you have before you life and death and that's the choice. Choose life. So how do you do that? How do you make those choices? So this morning, I want to talk about how do I choose life? Well, first, you choose to honor the value of every human life. You see, God created you, and he placed a great value on you. God created every person, every human being. Therefore, every human being has great value to God. You know why? Because Christ died and shed his blood to purchase you. You've been bought with a price, and that really settles the value of your self-worth. That Christ died for everyone. That's kind of why we do everything that we do here at LBT, because every person matters to God. He created you for a purpose. You're not an accident, okay? God made you uniquely for a unique purpose in this life. And there's more to life than just getting up, going to work, and coming home, and watching TV, and going to bed, and getting up, and going to work, and coming home, and watching TV, and going to bed, getting up, y'all understand, in the morning, then relax on the weekends, and die. There's a lot more to life than that. You were made for a purpose. God created you for a purpose, and therefore you have great value. This is what David said in Psalm 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. 
Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. It says you created me in my mother's womb. This is what God is saying. You are a sacred, valuable life even before you were born in your mother's womb. So from a human viewpoint, we may have unplanned pregnancies, but from God's viewpoint, there's no unplanned child. Did you hear that? Every child has a purpose in God's eyes. There are no accidental conceptions in God's eyes. God has a plan for every child. We may not have a purpose for every child, but God has a purpose for every child. God says, I planned that child. Now, let me just go on record this morning and say this. A fetus is not a blob of tissue. It's a sacred life, valuable, a valuable unborn child that God has a plan and a purpose for. It says every moment was laid out before a single day passed. See, all of the days of your life and my life are numbered before we were even born. So listen to this. If all the days of a child's life are numbered before they're even born, then abortion is the ultimate short-circuiting of God's will and God's plan because God has planned. There are no accidental pregnancies in God's eyes. God has a plan for everyone. You may have been an accident in your mother, in your father's eyes, but not in God's eyes. God has a plan for you. And the shocking statistics about abortion should disturb us all. 20% of all pregnancies in the U.S. end in abortion. That is 1.5 million babies aborted every year. And hear this. And 98% of those abortions aren't because of rape or incest or their mother's life was in danger. 98% of all abortions in the U.S. last year were because of inconvenience. Inconvenience of a lifestyle. Or I don't think I can afford this child. It's not convenient for me right now. You know, I just have to say that the Bible is very, very clear that abortion is killing. And we shouldn't try to help people choose life by yelling and screaming judgment at them. Hear that this morning. We should show them the love of Christ, and we should show them life and what life means. You know, we have organizations that take unwed teenage moms who feel like they can't help them. And maybe some of you have volunteered at one of those places so that these teenage moms can give their baby up for adoption instead of killing their unborn child. And I'm so grateful for ministries like that. That's what it's all about. It's not about yelling judgment at people. It's not about screaming at people. 
It's about showing life to people and helping people choose life and then sharing the forgiveness of Jesus. Every child is planned by God. But we share the forgiveness of Jesus. And I know that some of you have had abortions. And I just want to say to you that the guilt and the shame is real. A lot of people say the guilt of sin is not real. It's just something that church people put on you. It's just something that people put on you to make you feel bad so that they can control you. But I want you to know sin has consequences, and the consequence of sin is guilt and shame, and the guilt and shame is destructive. Guilt is one of the most destructive emotions you could ever have. And it comes out in all kinds of ways. You can pretend it's not real, but it will affect you. It will affect your relationships, your life, and even your health. But here's the great news. Guilt is unnecessary. Whatever sin you've committed, whether it's abortion or some other sin, God says, I forgive. I can make you just as you have never sinned. That's the great forgiveness of God. There is no sin that God cannot forgive. When we come to him and we say, God, I need your forgiveness. He shed his blood to forgive us, to make us white as snow, to cleanse us. Guilt is unnecessary. I just want you to know, you can leave this place this morning with no guilt because of what Christ has done. But guilt is real. We all know that. It's a consequence of sin. And I've talked to many women, many women who have had abortions, who dealt with this terrible guilt and pain and shame and hurt and regret. And I want you to know, God says, I can forgive and you can move into your future new and whole with a great plan. And that's why David said in Psalm 32, 5, I acknowledge my sin to you. And I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. God wants you to ask for forgiveness. And then God wants to forgive you and cleanse you. And give you a new day to step into. So that you can choose life from here on out with God's power. You can stand up for life. You can encourage people to turn to the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I want you to see that there's a second thing I have to do every day to choose life. And not only choose to honor and value and the sacredness of human life, but I need to choose forgiveness, here it is, over hatred and bitterness. Choose forgiveness over hatred and bitterness. Hatred and bitterness are two things that I deal with a lot, with a lot of people, from a lot of different, for a lot of different reasons. But do we understand this morning that Jesus took the Ten Commandments and he said, you guys are thinking about it all wrong. You're thinking about the outward action of the Ten Commandments. I want to really focus on the inward motivation because that's just as important. And look what Jesus said about the Sixth Commandment in Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. 
But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to, say it, judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So Jesus said, you may not commit murder outwardly, but inwardly, when you're bitter and you're angry and you're carrying bitterness towards someone, it's like the same thing. You're killing them on the inside, and when you speak words, those words can kill. Those words can destroy, not just their life, but your life as well. See, we're to forgive in God's eyes. And the reason why, it's just as bad to God as an outward murder. I mean, God says, I care about your inward motivations just as much as I care about your inward action. Now, consequences in society are much greater for the outward action. And that's the way God planned it, so there would be justice in societies. But God says, in my eyes, the inward motivation is just as important because if you hold on to bitterness and hate, really on the inside, you're hoping that something terrible is going to happen to them. And then you hold on to bitterness and hate. And when you do that, it's going to kill you a little bit at the time because bitterness is a poison. When you hold on to hate, you hold on to hurt. You see, it turns into hate and bitterness. And that bitterness poisons your own life. And it's destroying your emotions as well. Just like guilt, bitterness destroys you. It destroys your relationships in the present. It destroys your emotion. It destroys, even destroys you physically. All the doctors and the psychologists tell us this, that the two most unhealthy emotions you can have are guilt and bitterness. And God says, I want you to get rid of both because I want you to choose life and not death. I don't want you to die a little bit at a time. You see, a lot of people hold on to hurt. When someone hurts them deeply. And they become very bitter and they won't let it go. And it's as if they're thinking they're getting back at that person by holding on to that bitterness. When all they're doing is letting that person hurt them all the more. You see, someone may have hurt you 10 years ago. But you're still holding on to that bitterness and you're allowing that person to hurt you today. Well, listen, we're to forgive for two reasons. Number one, because Christ commands it. That's good enough, isn't it? Christ commands it. Look at this next verse in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you, so you also must forgive. So we're to forgive because Christ commands it. And secondly, for our own good. For our own good. You don't forgive for the good of the person who hurt you. Forgiveness is not pretending. Hear this. Forgiveness is not pretending like what they did was no big deal. It's not saying, hey, no big deal. I forgive you. It's saying what you did hurt me deeply. It was wrong. 
But I choose to forgive you because Christ's commandment and also for my own sake because I don't want to allow you to keep hurting me. So I choose to forgive you and forgiveness is not about your feelings. Did you hear that? You choose to forgive as an act of your will. God, I choose to forgive them. They hurt me deeply. I'm so wounded. I don't feel like forgiving. You know, I feel like praying that bad things would happen to them. But I choose to forgive them by your power because I don't want to keep hurt them to keep hurting me. I release them to you. Booker T. Washington said, I will allow no man to belittle my soul by making me hate him. Good words there. Listen, when you hold on to hurt, it only hurts you. Now, forgiveness is not letting someone off the hook. Some of you are going, thank God. I've been waiting to hear that part. I talk to people who say, I can't forgive them because that just lets them off the hook. And what they did was so terrible. No, forgiveness doesn't let someone off the hook. You forgive them for your own sake so the bitterness won't kill you a little bit at the time. But when you release the bitterness and you forgive them, you give them over to God and God says, I'll take care of it. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God says, I will make it right one day. I'll take care of it one day. You see, God believes in justice, and there will be justice one day. If you'll give it to the Lord, he'll do a much better job than you can do. And it only hurts you when you hold on to bitterness. And by the way, forgiveness and trust are two different things. I've talked to people who've, at different times, who have said, Pastor, I can't forgive them because they'll just hurt me again. But forgiveness and trust are two different things. You see, when someone wrongs you, you're to forgive instantly because Christ commands it. It's for your own sake so that they can't keep hurting you. So that bitterness goes out of you, but the trust takes time to build back. For example, if you're in a business relationship, and your business partner cheats you, you're to forgive them instantly whether you feel like it or not for your own sake, but it doesn't mean you have to get back into business with them. Trust takes time to rebuild. It's important to understand. When you forgive them, you're not saying or just saying, I'm going, listen, I'm going to get back at them in that same situation so they can hurt me over and over again. That's not the point. You forgive for your own sake, and then the trust takes time. Choose life by receiving forgiveness and by giving forgiveness. It's like those of us who have been in love before and have gotten hurt and have broken off a relationship and says, I will never love again. Well, thank God Lori didn't feel that way because she got me. Now, there's times she regrets that, but I'm just saying you understand? you got to try. you got to get back on the horse. You've heard that before, right? 
Choose life by receiving forgiveness and by giving forgiveness. Guilt and bitterness are unnecessary. By the way, forgiveness opens the door for blessing in your life. Did you hear that? You see, bitterness blocks blessing. And God's wanting to bless some of you. God's got some gifts he wants to give you. And they have your name on it. And they're in heaven. And they're waiting. And God can't give them to you while you still have bitterness in your heart. And as soon as you choose to forgive, it will unblock the door to blessing. And when the bitterness leaves, forgiveness opens the path for God's blessing. He's just waiting for you to forgive. So hear me this morning. Choose to forgive. Whether you believe it or not, pastors and their families get hurt just like you do. Whenever I forgive someone who has hurt me, I never feel like it. But I say, God, I don't like it. They hurt me deeply. It just doesn't seem right. Lord, it just seems like you just zap them with a bolt of lightning. If I was God, that's probably what I'd do. I don't like forgiving them. But I know you're God, and I'm not. So I choose to forgive them even though I don't feel like it. And you want to know what happened? I feel a release and a peace from God, and the blessing can flow again in my life. I have to choose life and not death. But then Satan will bring it to my mind again. Remember how they hurt you. And then I have to forgive again. God, I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive even though I don't feel like it. You see, you keep doing that until the feeling of hurt and bitterness finally evaporates. So let me close. As Robin comes and we get ready for invitation, your pastor is an ordinary, imperfect person, but I serve an extraordinary God who wants to do extraordinary things through me. And I challenge each of you here this morning, this is what I'm going to be about as long as God leaves me here on this earth. And I challenge you to come with me. I challenge you. Let's choose life. Make a commitment between you and the Lord. When you do that, you've chosen blessings rather than cursing. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, we just come before you today. God, we're just all a mess. And as often as I've said it from this pulpit, this church is a mess because our people are a mess and their pastor is a mess. But God, you come in the middle of the mess and you make something beautiful out of it. So Lord, we come before you today and we humbly say that we need you desperately in our lives. And I thank you for this choice that you've given us. You've placed us here at this time in world history. We see so many problems. Lord, all the things that are going on in the other parts of the country, especially in Afghanistan right now. And so much darkness in this world. But you put us here for a reason. 
And it's the most exciting time to be alive because, Lord, we have a chance to make a difference. We have a chance, Lord, to bring and proclaim your hope to the world. And I pray that you would help every one of us this morning to choose life. That we would choose to honor the sacred value of every human life. That we would open our eyes to see the needs of those in our neighborhood and those in our family, those in our community around here, those at our workplace who are hurting, and to be a light to them. And Lord, just help us to receive forgiveness and give forgiveness. Lord, I pray for those right now who are holding on to bitterness, that they would just see this as the moment that everything changed. And they would just say, God, by your power, I choose to forgive them, though they hurt me deeply. I release the bitterness, and I ask you, Lord, to fill me with your peace. I choose life, not death. Thank you for life, Lord. Help us not to complain and grumble. You have given us the sacred, great gift of another breath here this morning. Help us to enjoy it, appreciate it, and live it all out for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.